This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. We are at Amandine. Narcissistic banter is kindled. Welcome back to Light the Beacons. This is a Lotro podcast that also dabbles in books, movies, gaming, and the beloved lore of Mr. T. This is episode number 73, and I'm your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, trusted ally, and dwarf of ill repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ in the Haunted Borough. Actually, I'm not in the Haunted Borough yet. Right now, I am in the environs, since I just was jetting over here from Mickle Delving, and I delved into the Apple Tub. And I got a large apple. That's worth three tokens. I almost never get a large apple. Excuse me, that's the ale talking. I'm hopping over people around Gord Burp. What do you call them? Gord Lurkers. Uh, through a band. And I'm running through the haunted burrow. Oh, it's very, very scary in here. All you viewers should put on your 3D glasses or you'll only be seeing the uh, Haunted Burrow in 2.5D. Okay. Let me see. Out of place chest. Searching. One token. Out of place lockbox. Searching. One token. Out of place strongbox. Searching. Ooh, look. Brzinga, bringer of light. There's a dwarf in a dress next to me. She has a nice festival garland on as well. Uh, nice long beard with the female dwarf, of course. Onward to the main cellar. I'm running past the scared hobbit, past the scary warg. The lights just went out. I'm going down into the basement. There's a wall of kegs. I'm past the barrel rack. I'm at the poorly hidden chest. Could this be it? Could this be finally Greg's uh, green painted skeleton horse? And he gets an application of cover at all. A bucket of fear, two fall festival tokens, and a sign that says roar. Yes, it's the usual luck here in the haunted burrow for Bragg at the poorly hidden chest. But I will... Oh, Goblin came out of the keg and frightened me. I will hide here behind the roots coming out of the ceiling, watching the dripping goo, and looking for... Oh, look, someone just appeared next to me. It is... Dirk Digley, Baby Maker, the Blameless. Well, for that, he's getting covered all. <laughs> immune, as most people are these days. Most people seem to be immune these days. No one wants a good party trick. I understand that a lot of people don't like it. I leave mine on. If someone wants to throw it on me, I'm all for it. I'm in a beginner area. I'm at a festival. What the hey? You're running through the haunted burrow. You're going to get incapacitated right and left anyway with spiders or ghouls or whatever birds that come up bats that come out of the ceiling <sighs> well 
so much for my live opening of the poorly hidden chest. It's kind of like the guy that went down to the Titanic and opened up or the found uh, Al Capone's safe, right? And he opened it live on TV, and uh, there was nothing inside. So we better move on to our next beacon. Elanok, as usual, you know it's been a while since I've been here. Okay, it's been a while, uh, but the beacons are burning. You know, you, you need you need inspiration, and I didn't have it for a while. Didn't have anything I felt worthy of talking about, and then I got some, and then real life got busy, and that's the way these things go sometimes. But I'm here, and let's try to make the best of the time that we have together. As usual, we'll first deal with a lot of CRAP corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we screwed up again. Um, I think I called Nairband Nargarth. I might have called I might have called Nellagroth Dan Nethrin, or maybe Agernath was Othringroth, or Dor Armarth was Dol Amroth. I don't know. I, I think I I probably made all those mistakes at one point in time or another. So um, you know, go check the dynamic uh, Russ Lotro map like everyone else uh, for the real names. And uh, I make mistakes. I'm too lazy to fix them. So okay then. So by the way. Everybody out there knows about the dynamic Russ Lotro map, right? I mean, that's what I call it because that's what the website calls it. But if you look for dynamic Lotro map in uh, your browser search, it'll come up with the dynamic Russ Lotro map. And it is the most useful um, external information source for Lotro that has ever been made, ever will be made, ever was made. And I wouldn't have survived to this day without it. So... I don't know that I can give it a stronger endorsement than that. I'm pretty sure that all you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But if there's any listeners out there who have never been to it, go find it right now. You can thank me later. And uh, all to all those that were offended by my many mistakes over uh, you know, last episode, the preceding months and years, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Let's move on to re- your comments. Agree to disagree. Um, iTunes refuse. Let's check the leaderboard. We have a new high score. That's how long it's been since I had a podcast. The last review of this podcast was left by F. Duddy, a.k.a. Fielder of Landreville on October 9th of 2017. He has our new high score. And, um, you know, I don't want to belabor this, but since it's been a while since I've had one, I'll go ahead and read it. Bragg is not only infinitely entertaining, i.e. the little drummer boy. I think that was the Christmas episode I did with, uh, um, let me see, that was Grima, Gollum, and Treebeard singing the little drummer boy song. The self-gratification comparison, the top 10 or 13 or maybe 15 lists, and his sponsorships, but the good dwarf knows his Lotro stuff. I've been listening for the last year or so. Sorry for the delayed review. And playing the game for going on eight years, and he's learned quite a bit from the hairy little guy. That would be me. Fair warning, fellow viewer, and you know, hey, <laughs> that's a good one. Just be cautious while driving. Tears of laughter can distort the distance of the vehicles in front of you. Keep up the great work, Bragg, and maybe I'll see you on Landrovel sometime. Fielder, Fielder, I hope so. Thank you so much for the review. I really appreciate it. And uh, it uh, makes my day when I get something commentary like that and realize that this little ditty that I do to uh, indulge myself is being enjoyed by somebody somewhere who's probably crying in a shower 
curled up in a ball. Uh, as always, if you want to join this illustrious vacuum of your viewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. But thank you again, Fielder, for not doing absolutely nothing. And uh, viewer feedback, agree, disagree. We had um, Tommy Ork, a friend of the show, write into the Light the Beacons uh, website to let me know that he felt that the reward for Epic Storybook 9, Chapter 5 was a lump of coal. Gandalf totally worked the long con on that. Ha, ha, ha. Got you to help destroy the ring. Here's your lump of coal, sucka. Ooh, somebody put an emote on me, and they're wearing a goblin hat. Should I retaliate? So funny. Okay. Too far away. Gosh darn it. And now they're mapping. Gotcha. Ha, <laughs> ha. Put a bag on their head. Right back at you. Wherever they're appearing, they look like a monster now. Um, here's your lump of gold, sucka, says Tommy York. I guess he was underwhelmed by the uh, prizes that that would uh, ensue from the finishing of the epic. I think I have, um, like, four models of Mount Doom that I can put in my house at this point. Maybe I should just ring the yard with them like a fence. Uh, pick up the trash is his theme for Mordor. It's essentially the land's biggest gar garbage dump. I'm not really keen on cleaning up Middle-earth's trash hole. Not really interested in making my equipment out of Mordor dirt either. I think he's talking about the ashes of Gorgoroth. And while he's explored the zone, the Black Book of Mordor quest chain is not available unless you purchase uh, the Mordor X-Pack, which uh, I'm aware of. Once the epic book is done, that is it. No more free quests, except if you want to turn in tasks on task boards. That's interesting. And I wonder if you do that, if you get rep, um, or if you, uh, in order to earn reputation with um, the Mordor zones, you have to make the X-Pack purchase, or if you can get it through task boards. That would be interesting. That would be a long grind to level it up, but uh, certainly doable if you're questing in the area. Tommy Ork, thanks for writing in. Uh, yes, I certainly understand if you don't like grinding through Endgame, uh, then purchasing the latest Endgame X-Pack at full price might not be the best strategy for you. And um, But this episode is going to be all about Endgame, so you might want to skip ahead. Uh, community Spotlight. I want to talk, you know, I've got so much stuff to talk about now because I've been so delayed uh, there was a Lotro Players article that was uh, out a few weeks ago now, probably two weeks, uh, from Arid. Uh, was talking about the latest beta releases of the software. Maybe it was right after it hit the production server and he was giving feedback. And the title of the article he posted on Lotro Players was, So, you'd like to play a game that punishes you for supporting it. And uh, the article went on in detail about all the problems with the release and uh, the way that... Standing Stone had bungled the Ashes of Gorgoroth and the um, the prices for the equipment and uh, how they had to go through an elaborate fix to try to make people whole, but people still weren't happy about it. And there was a big fury out on the forums and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is all fair criticism. But there were a lot of people that replied and took umbrage with his tone saying, you know, if I wanted to read the vitriol of the forums, I would go to the forums basically and I have to admit, if the title of your article is, so you'd like to play a game that punishes you for supporting it, then Arid is making a judgment that everybody that listens or goes to Lotro players and reads articles should be as incensed about this as he is. And I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of people that didn't care. Um, you know, they're not at endgame. They're not prepping for raiding uh, the price of, you know, Ashes of Gorgoroth equipment. 
might uh, might as well be the price of tea in China for them, um, which is a pretty good metaphor. <laughs> but um, so I think, uh, you know, being upset with people for not being as upset with him was the problem that I had with the article. And uh, he continues, to, uh, you know, uh, kudos to him for being a contributor to the community, but he continues to strike a tone that definitely is divisive where Drac Uletta, who is the... Um, who is the leader of the site now has to weigh in and tell people to be civil. So uh, that's a bad trend. Hopefully we can get away from that over time. And I think enough said about this particular uh, topic. Uh, I did want to mention that over 7K was raised for Extra Life on the recent streams from Cordovan and all the streams that went across all the weekend. I want to say congratulations to all those that participated in Extra Life. Uh, it's a great charity. I've contributed in the past. It's not quite the following that it had in Patience's days, uh, but I'm sure um, every dollar will certainly be appreciated by those who receive them. And um, we'll talk a little bit while we're in the community spotlight about probably the biggest item that came out this past week the passing of an era in Lotro podcasting uh, Lotro reporter which just about a month ago aired episode number 321 the chance Thomas interview um, quite appropriate for Chris since he's a big proponent of music and I think he's an orchestra teacher in his uh, school um, reported that they were going off the air, uh, that, uh, you know, the interest had changed and real life was intervening. They couldn't give it the attention that they wanted to over time. And it's been a 10-year run for Lotro and MMO Reporter. Uh, they were on their 321st frigging episode. That is insane. And by the way, if I'm still chugging along at 321 episodes, which at my pace would be about 14 years from now, as best I can tell, uh, please send me to the Res Circle. Um, so some thoughts on Lotro Reporter and their contributions to the community over the years. Uh, they got to the end of the epic story, and um, you know that was probably maybe one of the factors, uh, I would imagine, in the timing of their deciding to discontinue at least Lotro reporting, um, you know, in addition to some of the other things that they've done. Um, I mean, I think you could say that, you know, the best years of Lotro, Lotro Reporter in particular were maybe a few years ago now. But even still, uh, did I mention they did 321 episodes? Um, you know, clearly they had uh, uh, stepped back in terms of their frequency of their podcasts. And, uh, you know, they'd gone through a few hosts, some of them uh, more knowledgeable than others about the game. And, uh, you know, Chris's involvement obviously was intermittent at this point. But I do want to talk about, um, this is more about what they've accomplished, which is tremendous. And I want to talk about a few memories from Lotro Reporter Podcast that stuck in my mind. The first is uh, the point of screwed skits. Whether you loved them or you hated them, they were noteworthy. Uh, the, two, the adventures of the two hobbits in the Shire and their intrepid reporter. Uh, the episodes they did from PAX, uh, where they had live interviews on the floor uh, with key figures from around the gaming world, especially Lotro. Um, I think they had a few drunken podcasts from their hotel room, and they even had a few uh, pub meetups with fans, which was awesome. Uh, the songs by that wacky UK guy, I think his name was Harry. Uh, Come the F down. That was my favorite part. Um, they had a lot of podcasts where they talked about development previews of new content so clearly they had a close relationship with SSG who respected their work in order to be able to share that with them at that level 
there, of course, was Chris's endless pursuit of level cap, which he did achieve eventually, although it took several years. And uh, some of the crossover skits they had with the old Beyond, Beyond the Palantir gang uh, having fun out with the PvP world out in the Yetan Moors. So some of those things are the things that stand out to me uh, for their time over the years. So once more, I wanted to say thank you for all the folks over at uh, Lotro Reporter and MMO Reporter over the years. Um, I hope you stay involved with the community. We still see you out and about. You will be missed. Another Lotro podcast uh, is put to pasture. Forums Insider. Um, you know, obviously there was an uproar I mentioned earlier about the fix that came out for the Ashes of Gorgoroth, but some people had already bought gear and invested and ashed their old gear, and they would have kept that if they didn't know they couldn't buy the new gear for the lower price, etc., etc. Um, community feedback, I believe, was what led directly to the recent Mithril Coin grant, which is significant. Uh, about $5 of real value for every account that logged in prior to October 22nd. I think they gave it uh, maybe like a week to 10 days um, to uh, to recoup that or cash that coupon in with the coupon uh, Mithril Mortar or Mortar Mithril or whatever the case may be. And uh, I was depleted on Mithril Coins. I, I was very appreciative. And a matter of fact, I even logged into my other account, which I hadn't done for a year, just to claim the coins on that account, which is something that I wouldn't normally do. Uh, so I thought that was a nice gesture by them. Um, you know, they didn't come out and apologize for anything, but clearly they felt uh, that it was appropriate to make some sort of remunerance. There you go. Uh, for all the trouble that had been caused. So kudos to them for addressing that in that fashion. Um, that goes right to their bottom line. Trust me. People run out of Mithril coins and they use them. They generally go get some more. So um, that's real money out of SSG's pocket. Uh, even though it's, I know it's digital currency, but it's opportunity sales for the future that they're foregoing. So it's appreciated. So in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to, as never, talk a little about about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks we will discuss the most recent patch notes for update 21 this is otherwise known as old news by now we will discuss the various allegiance quests which are available to you if you have cleared all the main storylines and books in mordor at endgame and lastly as always if you have any time remaining we will end the podcast prematurely but if we want to have time for that we better get moving along let's move on to our next beacon Nardal, this week in gaming and or other Tolkien news. And uh, what have they been playing these past few weeks? Well, it's interesting. You know, lately, every time I want to play something, I'm like, oh, I should make progress on a game that I can actually finish. And then I'm like, nope, playing Lotro instead. <laughs> I have so many tunes to level still, and the new instances just came out, and I, I've run them under-leveled, but I haven't really done them on-level yet, and all this stuff going on. It's hard to pull myself away to other games at times. I have to remind myself. You have a lot of other games to play. Remember, you'll never win Lotro. You're not going to win. <laughs> at least you get a sense of accomplishment from finishing other games, which is something you know you don't always get from an MMO. If you're a completionist, you're in trouble. Uh, but I've come about as close as I can get on most of that stuff. Uh, but I did get some time playing Shadow of Mordor these last few weeks. Um... I finally took down the fourth war chief, which is a key storyline in uh, coming out of Udon. 
This led to an instance where we attacked the dark monument of Sauron that was being built and basically opened the door to explore beyond Udon into the rest of Mordor. The instance was very cool. It was well done. I had to fight guys. I had to uh, push a cart. I had to uh, filled with a bomb explosives underneath uh, the statue. I had to shoot archers in the head before they could burn the cart up and make it explode. And uh, when it went off, uh, there was a big kind of uh, cinematic where the whole statue came crashing down and slaves were running for their lives and all kinds of stuff. And it was pretty neat. So enjoyed that. Uh, it's a pretty big milestone in the game, I think. Uh, I have to decide now whether to move on or to complete more Udun projects first. There's still lots of quest uh, items I can pursue and little side instances I can do in Udon. So I can try to get completionist or I can just follow the storyline and come back and finish them later. Some of them will be easier than I'm sure than they are now uh, as I gain more abilities. I seem to be about halfway through the main storyline. Um, I looked up just uh, the chapters of it so I could see about how far in I was. Uh, without side quests or DLC like the Bright Lord or anything like that, I think I'm about halfway through the main storyline of the game. Um, and I am enjoying it, and every time I play a little bit more and get into it, I do enjoy it, and then I get away from it, and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I'm going to see if I can keep kind of chipping away at Shadow of Mordor. If I play it every week, maybe I won't have to relearn combat <laughs> when I come back to it every time and remember the keys for all the uh, crazy attacks that you can do, wraith strikes and hanging, you know, wall suit, you know, assassinations and stuff like that and all that stuff. Um, the note from this week that was amusing was that you had to listen to some of the orc dialogue as you're sneaking around because there was a guy that was uh, sitting around a campfire with his buddy and he goes, I got out and got some fresh air this last week. It was disgusting. And that made me laugh. Uh, movies. I am hoping to see both American Made, which is the Tom Cruise, uh, FBI, CIA, DEA, narcotics ring thing and uh which looks pretty good um i think i'd like to see the other side of the mountain with idris elba and uh, uh what's her name kate winslet as well as blade runner and now thor ragnarok coming out next week uh, but scheduling is complicated scheduling especially for blade runners complicated by its length it's almost a three-hour movie not having gone to movies for several weeks running now with all the weekend hijinks I've had, you can see I'm falling behind, and some of these will inevitably be rentals, if that. But I'm hoping that this coming weekend, um, where we've got some baby dwarfs in town for the weekend and the Halloween holiday, so to speak, I'm hoping to knock two of those off the plate, at least Thor and maybe Blade Runner 2, if we can fit it in. <coughs> And to add to all that, my local theater, which is a wonderful historic theater, is showing Young Frankenstein this Thursday, a uh, special showing with an organ performance beforehand. And uh, we are definitely going as a family unit to see that. And the new season of Stranger Things hits Netflix on Friday. So, yeah, there's a lot of content to pour through. One of the reasons I wanted to get this podcast out first uh, books. I wanted to do a review of Senlin Ascends. Senlin Ascends is the name of the book. Senlin is the name of the main character. And Ascends refers to his ascension of the Tower of Babel, which is the setting of the book, uh, the mythical Tower of Babel. And this is a book that was recommended in my Twitter stream, I believe, by Sip. 
a couple weeks ago. And I did enjoy it. It was different. It's got kind of a steampunk atmosphere to the setting. Um, it's a kind of a slow burn to like the main character uh, and you know trying to figure out where the story's going. So I think it took a little time to find its legs for me. But it definitely grew on me as I read over time, which is a sign of a good book. Uh, will I read the next one in the series? There is a next one out. Um, I think I probably will get to it at some point. But right now I want to read books that compel me to read, ones that are page turners where if I, you know, every time I sit down I want to pick it up instead of doing something else. Because when I get stuck on a book that plods along and I don't doesn't drive me to finish it, I don't have the time or inclination to push through it like I used to and the books just pile up on my night table. Whenever that pile gets too high, I get agitated. So I need to winnow down a few of those. Uh, but Sendlin the Sends was an interesting fantasy read with a little bit of a more modern tone and uh, change of pace. And it was pretty good. I think the second one might actually be better now that I know the characters from the character development of the first novel. So I'll let you know if I get to it. What have I been doing in Lotro lately? Well, Bragg uh, finally achieved his Ashes of Gorgoroth gold ring. I think it's called Turka or something like that for 3,300 ash. And uh, that took quite a bit of doing, obviously. Uh, I was collecting relics of the Last Alliance from my other characters going through. What's funny is I saved up those, uh, I saved up those books from Bragg doing content and gave them to the tunes, uh, my other tunes as I was leveling them through Mordor so they could get through at least one of the allegiance, um, full allegiance with one of the factions and get some of the rewards from that. Uh, and then what happened was as I was adventuring through Mordor with those characters, I was building up additional allegiance points and I was funneling them back to Bragg so he could work on uh, completing all four factions and as you know each succeeding fashion that you tackle takes more experience points to get through um, so a, a bit more about that in a minute but uh, I did want to talk about uh, a problem that I talked about in a previous podcast where I was in three of the five regions of the game I was still missing two of the um, two of the allegiance daily quests uh, that uh, would appear on task boards and I, th I thought for sure this was a bug. So I think it was maybe Udun and Lingris and Dor Amarth, as best as I can remember, where there were two quests that I couldn't, you know, if you, get, if you do all the quests that are in, this, in the rotation for those uh, zones, you get, uh, um, you get a deed completed. And if you do that for all five areas, then you get a meta deed completed. So I, you know, I'd done all of them except for two quests in three of the regions and they weren't coming up on the board and I figured they had to be bugged. So I called out and chat a few times. I looked in the forums, I couldn't find anything on this and I called out and chat a few times and then I finally figured out what was going on. So this might be a bug actually, but what's happening is if you pick up the quests in the Allegiance Halls themselves, there are uh, six quests, two in each of three of the zones, which don't appear there. I was always picking up my quests at the task boards in the Allegiance Hall right after I picked up the daily or weekly quest from the Allegiance uh, Quartermaster. And uh, I would pick up the quest right there from the regions because the board is right next to him. As it turns out, these six quests which I were missing were appearing on the task boards in the regions themselves, but not in the Allegiance Halls. So basically, you know, I had definitely checked the boards in the regions as well. 
but since they rotate through, I hadn't seen them on the times that I had checked there, and I didn't go back and check every day. I got in the habit of checking only in Legion's Hall. Well, I figured out that if I went back in the regions and checked every day, eventually those quests did come up on those task boards, which I think is probably probably still a bug, but at least um, the quests themselves and the deeds are finishable. So if you have a couple quests that are not coming up in your log, check the uh, task boards, uh, the allegiance task boards in the regions themselves as opposed to in the allegiance halls. So I finally completed the Hobbit Allegiance line. Uh, I opened up the Elves and Men ones to benefit from the weekly side quests you can get there when those are open in the resource instances. And the Men are done. And the Stinking Elves are done too. And with that, my flaming OCD reputation grind is coming in for a soft feather, all bars full landing. <sighs> all reputations at Kindred or above full and all four allegiance factions full i can relax again until they come out with the next one uh so i was looking through the vendors uh for allegiance gear and thinking what the heck do i do with all these tokens of service of which i had hundreds at that point from finishing all four allegiance lines you know there were no gear upgrades and i thought i bought the one crafting recipe i need that you could get for the tokens um so were they useless you know, part of me was like, keep them. They might eventually put some stuff in here, like maybe some scrolls of empowerment or starlit crystals or at least trade for another type of barter currency that could be useful. You know, my barter wall is littered with past currencies that no longer can procure anything of value, right? I think um, something that's universally useful, like an Amphalas starlit crystal or a scroll of empowerment, should always be available at some price in those, uh, in those areas. Uh, but anyway, what I ended up doing is instead of keeping them around for, you know, no, no discernible purpose at this point, I traded them all in for purple gear, which was then ashed. So I think I produced a couple hundred ash using all of my extra tokens. I think I got like two or three hundred ash to add to my totals by trading them in for purple gear and then ashing that purple gear since it wasn't no longer needed. Um... And I would say, in general, my guard is starting to feel more guard-like again in instances and on the landscape. I'm not invulnerable yet, but I'm definitely hardier than I was and uh, can take on large groups of mobs again if I'm careful, even at level cap. Uh, and that's always that's the fun of being a guard. Um, let me see. My mini has completed Dor, Armarth, and Lingris and uh, has started Talith Uri and finished up Foshambal and is on to Thornzaf. Uh, so she hit level 115. I instantly traded in, saved Allegiance Tomes, and finished the Hobbit Allegiance with her for the related gear upgrades. There's a ring and a robe and shoes that are gated beyond, uh, behind level 112, but uh, obviously have them now. And the one thing I've, I just remembered, I forgot to do with her, when I, when I get to level 115, I can get instrument upgrades. So I've got to get on with my woodworker, hopefully, after this, and uh, get those done. Duh. So I completed Dor Armarth quest lines, overleveled uh, my mini, which definitely helped because she's a little squishy. I'd say she can handle two on-level mobs currently and maybe three by hitting all CDs and having a little bit of room to do a little circular kiting. Uh, but it can be tough still. And... Um, 
So when I was doing Baradur on the landscape, uh, teamed up with another mini, he just was happened to be running right next to me, and it was so much easier with the two of us just blazed through that place. And uh, I had one death only when he got distracted with something else, uh, but he rezzed me. So many thanks to Quince Roberts for escorting me or as we escorted each other through Baradur. Um, and here is, uh, you know, it's a pretty packed place for a mini in, in a couple different areas. So... Here's the strategy I found. Uh, there are two storylines that go through uh, Baradur, obviously, that are entwined. One is to rescue the Dwarf King Vaskman, and one is to find Necros Apakar, basically all the way down to the Pit of Mordath. Because if you if you find Vaskman and port out um, without completing the other quest line, every time you come back through there, at every major junction, you get two Ugrigor's guards to burn down, and it just makes it twice as hard to fight through. So what I found to do is fight all the way down and back from the Pit of Mordath, find Vaskman's stuff on the way out, the three things he asks you to find, and once you've completely escaped Baradur so the guards won't appear anymore, you've finished off that quest line, then you go back and run all the way down to Vaskman on a suicide run and flop in his room. Uh, obviously that only works if you're a hobbit, minstrel, or berg who can hips, um, or maybe a champ or a guard who can fight whatever trailers you would have at that point, but they'd be pretty significant. So um, this works for those classes at least, which are some of the ones that would be, you know, would be useful. And uh, then you can port out using Vaskmon, and that's the easiest way I've found to do that. But once you're back at uh, the Tower of Lugash with the dwarves, uh, the power of the minstrel Song of Distraction and Flop are fully evident to help navigate around the circular layouts there that are filled with big groups of dwarf forge masters and everything else. Um, so Song of Distraction and Flop will be your friends to get through that unscathed. And one last note on this. Um, after you complete that quest line and you go back and talk to Gimli, he says, you know, meet me at the... Uh, at the ruins of Dingarth, he's like, meet me at the pit of Mordath, like on the side of the Baradur Tower, all the way back across the map. So you've got to ride all the way across the map via horse and, and meet him down kind of where it dips down to the lava. And there's a, apparently a, a cliff face that where you can scale down to the pit of Mordath. And I ran all the way across the map and I ran up to Gimli. And as I got there, I hit a little patch of lag, I think. You know, I did a double stop to, like, bring my horse to the edge, and I ran right over into the lava. So I'd spent literally, like, seven to ten minutes to run all the way across the map, and as I did, I just proceeded to run directly off the cliff and dive to my death in the lava, and I had to run all the way across again. Uh, at least the red circle at that point is outside of the door of Baradur and not all the way back in in. in uh, in the ruins of Dingarth. So um, that's 10 minutes of my life I wish I had back. Uh, but uh, anyway, for Lingris and Tal Uri, I've been using both both of my flops, Hobbit flop and Minstrel flop all the time, more than I ever have um, in other zones uh, to get through some of the packed zones there. Obviously, Lingris filled with spiders on the landscape and Talith Uri in places like Fashumbal and um, Dora Matazur and... Thorngraf and everywhere else, uh, just tightly packed for a squishy class. Uh, Fushimbal, I snuck around and did all the easy quests multiple times, like burning tents and feeding Sulakil and killing single guards, finding supplies, stuff that didn't require much fighting. And uh, for the final bridge sequence, uh, no spoiler alert here, but you know, eventually 
you try to bring the sides together on the final bridge, they figured out that you've been playing them both for patsies, and you've got to fight all of them. I actually died in that instance. I, you know, I tried really hard. I knew it would be tough because it, you know, it was tough on some of my other characters to get through. Um, I actually died, but I ran back from the red circle uh, all the way into Fashion Ball and triggered again and got in and was able to complete the instance because it had not reset. So everything that I killed up to that point stayed dead, and I only had two of the bosses left instead of three to finish off. Um, so just a, a tip for you, if you die in that instance, you can still salvage it by running back and getting in. I, I don't know if there's a time limit or not, but I just did it as quickly as I could, and it worked. Uh, which saved me a bunch of time, so that was appreciated. My Cappy has also been the other active one. He's in Teleth. Uh, last time out, he um, was halfway through Teleth URI, so now he's finished. Um, done with Nairband, completed all the passes of Nargroth, and uh, and then uh, the Brangos the Horror instance. Um, again, there's an instance for the final piece of Teleth URI called Brangos the Horror, where you have to get through a, kind of a, a series of, uh, you know, approaching mobs before you get into the end. And I died a few times in those quests. But um, luckily, again, it does not reset. So you can go back and trigger it again and go in and, and pick up where you left off and get a little farther. So just a tip for that as well. Uh, Cappy is about two-thirds done now with Agronoth, including the Vishak quests and the Bullrod stuff with uh, the guests that you find there ending in the um, orc area of Kalagaj. And here's a hint for Kalagaj, and it's probably... Wait, it's not Kalagaj. What do you call it? I don't know. Let me find a map. Go out into the world. Go out. Go to Ravanion. Go to Mordor. Go to the Plateau of Gorgoroth. And go into Talith Uri. And you will find that the name of it is... What am I looking up again? I don't remember. Oh, Argonath. Um, Kalajak. Isn't that what I said? I said Kalajak, didn't I? I probably did. Here's the tip. <laughs> There's a lot of quests that take you through Kalagash on the landscape, in in the dailies, in in the weeklies um, that follow for allegiance. And uh, use the ash farms. There's ash farms moving through there all the time. So if you have a choice of quests and one of the choices to kill orcs and Argonoth, pick that up and go straight in and just run into the middle of the ash farm that's going on almost 24-7 and you'll have all the orcs killed that you want within a, a moment and you'll be out of there. Um, rest of my characters have mostly been staged in the haunted burrow trying to open up and find a painted skeleton steed. I have it on a few tunes uh, but there are a few that don't have it and I've had no luck this year. Um, my hunter's been turning in west rape uh, west waste rep items for Lotro points. Um, whenever I find some of those in war materials from daily featured instance runs. My Archaea, who is a tailor, has been a do a little crafting for new Cappy standards. Everyone else has been idle, especially my warden, since I want to make sure I forget everything I learned about Gambits before I move forward with him again. That is a long and lengthy what I've been doing in Lotro lately. Uh, not even talking about some of the instance runs and allegiance quests, but we'll get to those a little bit later. Let's move on to our next beacon. Here we are together at Harless again. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Update 21 Patch 2 release notes. I know they have been out for a week or two now at least. 
and you're probably familiar with most of the features on there, but I did want to offer a few comments, and uh, some of these things you might forget. You know, you, you remember when they first come out, you read about them, and then you forget about them later. So, um, And some of them we learn more about as we play through them, and they pan out. But first a note on why I have not yet tried the new instances, especially not on Tier 2, at uh, level cap at least. I've completed uh, Court of Saragos at level 105 on solo runs. I did two of them. They were pretty easy. Um, I think I got, through two runs, I got one scroll plus one splinter of Gorgoroth and an item to Ash. Um, so, you know, I've heard people saying they, you know, spent a half an hour and got, you know, four crystals and five scrolls of empowerment. That has not been my experience to date. Uh, maybe Tier 2 would be more productive. It would take longer to solo, though, obviously, as a guard. So I thought I'd try Tier 1 first and just get familiar with the candidates. But I might go back and try Tier 2 and see if it actually yields that. Um, if that's the case, that would be more advantageous than doing featured instance runs, which supply scrolls of empowerment, but not Amphalas Crystals, uh, which you know I have some of today in some of my characters, but it's probably the thing I need more than anything else. Um, to level my characters apart from you know top grade ash gear so um the dungeons of nairband i have not tried yet um from what i have read the new guard build you know people are saying you probably need somewhere in the neighborhood of at least 100k morale to 110 and right now i'm sitting at 85 i'm pretty happy with my mitigations and resistances and critical defenses and all that other fun stuff but I probably just need a bit more morale. So I've been avoiding it just because from what I've heard, there are a lot of people complaining they're too hard and that they hit for huge crits on the tank and others uh, that wipe parties pretty easily and it can be kind of frustrating. Uh, one of the gauges I have is seeing how often people call in chat for running the new six-man since it's brand new. And let me tell you, I have seen it called for maybe once in a week and a half that I've been on. Um, so I'm not saying it's not happening. It might be happening, especially in raiding kins and groups of friends, um, you know, that aren't calling in world chat. But there are very few people trying to pug it at this point, I can tell you. And uh, I think a lot of them are waiting to see if um, the, some of the uh, some of the damage outputs might be toned down a bit. I've heard of bleeds of you know 25 or 30k a tick and things along those lines, and it does seem kind of outrageous. Uh, obviously, uh, ha I could try it under leveled again, just to get familiar with the mechanics before I run it over leveled. And I might try that sometime in the next week or so. But, um, if you run it, drop me a line. I'd love to hear your experiences with it, whether you think it's fair, whether the rewards are any decent, if it's fun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think the Court of Saragost is kind of fun. It's kind of a neat setting. Uh, it's got some different types of mobs in there. Um, it's got a little bit to it. Uh, again, I haven't run it on Tier 2 yet or at NCAP, so I'll learn more about it as I do that. And as I do, if there's a critical uh, mechanic that's in there, I will share it with you. Uh, so let me see, what else is going on in the release notes? New Alliance quests. So uh, they, they made up 20 new repeatable daily quests uh, that are now available by speaking with the ex expedition organizers in each of the Allegiance Halls. So um, 
in addition to your daily quests where you finish four quests in one of two regions and a weekly quest, there are daily quests that have been released as well. And the cool thing about the daily quests is they count towards the do four in a region quest. And some of them are easier than some of the other options that are out there. So A, we have more variety, and B, we have some quests that are easier than some of the other options that might be available, which makes turning in quests easier. And you get additional rewards for doing no more work than you would have before. So this is all good stuff. I like it. Mount Collection Update. Uh, the Mount Collection has now been updated to match the style of the others. You can see every list that's available, mount that's available to you, ones that are purchasable, ones that are only in the Lodro store. You can see what your character looks astride the mount, etc., etc., etc. So I've been waiting for this for a long time. Um, you know, the only way I could ever tell how many mounts I had before was to sit there and count them through on my skills panel. Uh, so now they have the mount uh, collection. I think it, it drives Lotro sales, I would imagine, for people that you know want to know what the cool horses look like and uh, take you right to the store to buy it right there. Um, so the other thing that it did for me is it pointed out a few horses that were earnable in-game that I had not picked up. Uh, stuff that was available at Kindred level rep that I had ground out the Kindred rep and never, never picked up the horse, even if I had the tokens just lying around. So I went back and found a few horses in the game that I, I had not acquired. First of all, I had three horses available from Hank Stacia's farm that I had never bought, like think like the Bay Steed and the the Blonde Sorrel or whatever. And three three horses there, easy. I think they were like each like I don't know, less than a gold or whatever they you know three hundred silver or whatever you could buy them for back then. Um, I got some rep horses in Angmar. I got some rep horses in. Um, couple other play uh, in Lothlorien, the horse of the Galadrim. I picked up the horses of the Maladrim in uh, Thangalhad and Mirkwood. And the fun thing about Mirkwood, well, not fun, but <laughs> interesting thing about the uh, steeds in Mirkwood, there's two of them that you can earn. You need Kindred Rep for both of them. And each of them requires tw 20 uh, Maladrim Gold Star emblems um, to buy them. I had about 27 of those tokens saved up so I bought one of the horses immediately and I decided to go back and do daily quests in Mirkwood for a couple days in a row so I could earn the extra tokens to get the other Maladrim steed so if you do not have both Maladrim steeds there are only three quests uh, in Mirkwood that earn you Maladrim gold star emblems uh, one is to um, kill orcs around Thanglehad, which give you badges of dishonor. Once you collect five of those, you're done. Another is to go down to an orc camp in the southern part of Mirkwood, out of Mythiclad. Uh, there's a quest there to kill 15 orcs of the camp and collect 10 Grim tokens. And that'll get you a medallion gold, Maladrim Gold Star Emblem. And the third one is the Solo Instance, which is available in Thanglehad. Uh, where you talk to the dwarf who's uh, kind of on the north side by the catapults. And basically, it's a solo instance where you go in, and at the time when it was um, released, it was very difficult, and he even had a message saying this is a challenge instance, where you had to uh, try to collapse some goblin tunnels that were being tunneled underneath um, underneath Anglehad and that were endangering the defenses. So you follow two dwarves all the way to the end of the tunnel, and you... 
um, take away the goblins' equipment and explosives, and then you run back and you collapse the tunnel behind you so they can't get in again as you're chased by a troll. And I remember back in the day that being very difficult. Uh, I practiced it a few times um, before I got the hang of it. You had to engage the people at just the right time. You had to make sure the dwarves didn't get killed. You had to let them tank one or two of the guys for you to get through it. You had to use all your food, et cetera, et cetera. I was, and I was very proud when I was able to finally finish those. And now it's basically running after the dwarves and one-shotting everything that comes within range of you. <laughs> so it takes four or five minutes. And anyway, in three days of finishing off the daily quests around Thangalhad, and I had enough tokens for my other Maladrim steed. And actually, it's a pretty cool one that I had not seen before. So anyway, at the end of the day, I now have a century of mounts. The final total. Let me bring it up. Let's see. Mounts. Pets collected. 60 of 129. Stables. 174 out of 174, although there was one that I had to go get in the Northern Troll Shaws that I didn't realize I had missed. <laughs> Emotes, I have 169 out of 188. That ain't bad. And mounts, 104 collected out of 157. And of the ones that are earnable, uh, it still says 104 out of 157. So that's interesting. It doesn't update the totals. It just updates the ones that are in the picture. Earnable that I need. There's not many. Um, there's a few old festival steeds that I thought I had earned that apparently I never did. Uh, Treasure-laden ponies from the um, and goats from the uh, from the treasure hunt. And the only other one really that's um, a couple of raid steeds. So for finishing every single quest indeed around Isengard and around Erebor and and uh, things like that and the only other one that is a, um, a rare drop from Plugger Epic Battles I don't have that one the only other one that's actually um, achievable through reputation is a Helmlinga's horse and I went and looked and found him what I needed and I need 300 tokens of the Helmlinga's to, uh, to purchase him and I remember now why I didn't get this horse. I'm like, I've got all the horses I could need, and I can trade these tokens in for scrolls of empowerment or delving or some other useful things. So I use them for that, and I forego the horse. And now the only way to get those tokens is to do repeatables all over uh, West Mnet of Rohan. And to bear 300 tokens, <laughs> I think that would be many, 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 many. I'm not sure how many how many quests that is, but I think it's in the tens, fifties, hundreds. I'm not sure. Uh, I remember taking an awful lot of tokens, um, you know, questing to build up tokens. So I think that one might be beyond my reach, but I've got most of the other horses. 104 horses is pretty damn good. Uh, I'm sorry, darn good. Sorry, kids. And... Uh, uh, most of them I'll never ride more than the one time I've summoned them previously because they're pretty ugly anyway. Um, so the one I'm still thinking about getting is the North Athelian Flower Horse, which someone told me was ugly. And I could see why they could say that because it is pretty busy. But when I saw it, I thought it was kind of neat. So and I've only got, oh, only like, you know, 80 herbalism quests left to pick that up. So that would be easy. <sighs> why do I do this to myself? All right, new filtering. Back to the release notes, please. New filtering options. The only thing I'll say about this, my favorite part about this, 
is every time I reach into my bag and I see um, a third age legendary item for another class with a little red outline around it, I take the most pleasure ever of going over and clicking the button and saying, I will never have to see you again. Click goodbye. <laughs> it's so satisfying. Uh, most of them are gone now. I'm still having a couple trickle in here or there. There are a lot of different weapons that certain classes can have. So some of them are still filtering in, but each time I press that button, it's a delight to know I'll never have to get rid of that uh, third age legendary, you know, burglar dagger again. Um, that is very rewarding. So uh, the other thing I'd say about the filter that's really cool is if you go to filter a sound, so you take a sound sample of everything around you. I think I talked about this already. I'm going to skip it. All right. I did do the uh, new Frightful Tales to Curl the Hair on Your Toes at the Harvest Fest, Harvest Math Festival this year. Uh, those are the new bingo quests that showed up. Uh, I think it's appropriate to have him in this festival. The quest line was kind of fun, kind of different, kind of easy. Um, and it looks like they're going to maybe continue it in further uh, festivals. So I like the idea of having a storyline that extends year over year in the festival that you explore a bit further each time out. That is kind of a cool concept, so I hope they continue to follow that up. And then, question adventure area text updates. Uh, there's a couple there's a couple things they fix in quests where, you know, items that you're supposed to pick up that were sticking in walls or behind rubble that you really couldn't see unless you searched around for them with your find nearest object um, key. So glad they fixed all those things. Uh, there's at least four or five different inches of those. Um, they finally improved the spoils boxes available for the Scourges of Gorgoroth. So I'm expecting now people will maybe run those more frequently. Uh, before it wasn't worth doing unless there was a weekly allegiance quest attached to it. But now that there's more appropriate loot, I'm hoping we'll see more calls for those. And, uh, you know, it's a little pain to run and get out the Kara guy out in the middle of the Gash Germ. But uh, the rest of them aren't too bad. So... Hopefully people will get used to that and be able to jump over those little bridges without killing themselves and it'll get faster. <laughs> um, end Endgame. All quests are now available as choices all the time, so they got rid of the rotation thing, which would have slowed people down uh, if they were trying to be completist about Wildemore. So I think that's good to take those older areas of the game and those mechanics they had to slow people back when it was Endgame and... and dispose of them as they did for Hitbolt. Um, they did the same thing in um, in the River uh, the river Run expansion um, where you're following Duran into Os Celebrant, uh, the Great River expansion. They did the same thing there where you get all the quests when you first enter the ruins instead of having to explore and find the different ones in different areas and not know whether you activated them all or not. Uh, and the Summer Festival is now easier to attack and target heatwave mobs to the quest to feed the heat. And I remember having to read how to do that or ask people in chat. So whenever you got to do that, that's a bad thing, right? Uh, a new tear of crafting available. So they're filling in some of the recipes that people didn't have. Um, and there are some special items that you can build only with uh, ingredients that you find in the instances. So there's some more incentive to do those. The uh, Aria of the Valor now includes a class deed tome that will automatically complete trade point granting class deeds. Um, so, you know, what's the point of getting a 95 if you have half the class trade points because you still need to do 250 uh, burglar, you know, 
pilfers from people's pockets or you have to go grind the entire West M net to get the class trade point for Western Rohan, etc. So um, I think that's probably fair as long as they didn't overdo it. Um, should be on the you know underside but close to what you would have if you went all the way through that questing in the game. Uh, crafting potions now have max strength level of 120, which actually makes them useful. That's good. Um, let me see what else. The allegiance items now reward an allegiance point item, which you can build up. If you don't cash it in for points towards allegiance reputation, you can get a big stack of the books and trade them in for a tier, a new tier of allegiance gear. So um, basically, I think I've been doing. You know, if you if you get through a, all the allegiance quests available you know, the dailies and the different items for a couple days. I think you can build up a stack of 100 and probably, if you do it every day, you can probably do it in four or five days. And that's a new piece of gear. Um, if you don't do it every day, let's say you do it every other day, for a week or two you can get a new piece of gear. So even if you're done leveling your allegiance factions, at least those are useful, which I think is good. Gorgoroth Steel Loot Bucks is now offering an assortment of new mortar-themed pets and a set of cosmetic weapons which is pretty cool. Better reason to open a Gorgoroth Steel bound loot box since you're earning keys through your allegiance quests if you're doing them anyway. I've gotten two new mortar snakes myself since I've uh, since the update released. Um, and I think there are some other ones which are kind of cool or fun. Although, like I said, the number of pets in the game is getting out of hand. Uh, PVMP, they finally did the very basic of having level 115 audacity gear and uh, upping the level of the training dummies and high elves can use back doors in the Edmores now. Hooray. So that makes them valid to go out in a group and not get trounced. Um, so that's the very basics for PM, PVMP. In the user interface section, they did mention that uh, factions, uh, reputation factions are now ordered from newest to oldest in the reputation panel. Makes a heck of a lot more sense. Thank you for that. And one of my favorites, which I think is underrated, in miscellaneous, party member voice chat volume can now be adjusted individually. If you right-click on the little volume control, um, you can move up or down those in your group when you're questing or pugging. And uh, I think this makes it much more useful. It's a functionality that's always been present in, um, in applications like Discord or TeamSpeak. And now you can do it in game, uh, which I think is great. Most times, as people are too soft, that I have to uh, increase the volume for. Every once in a while, I get someone who shouts or is really loud or just annoying, <laughs> and you can turn them down a little bit. So that's good. And the last thing I'll mention is that they did do some updates to the Lua plugin interface. Uh, some of your old plugins may be broken, which is kind of a pain if they're not being maintained. I heard buff bars might not be working for people anymore. I don't use it, so it's not an issue for me, but that would be kind of a bummer. Hopefully someone from the community will step up and uh, inherit and own the changes that would be required there. All right, that is my review of the updates for 21.2. So let's move on to our next beacon. <laughs> Enough of that serious stuff. We're at Minrimon, the original weekly sponsor segment. This episode of Light the Beacons is brought to you by New Erendel Handy Wipes. Have you been out slaughtering poisonous spiders in Lingris, clearing the ashes of Gorgoroth out of your beard, or slogging through the bloody gore of Agarnath? 
Ugh, I especially hate walking under that bloody waterfall of filth to get into Saragost. But what's a guardian to do? Well, now there's Erendel's Handy Wipes, the light of Erendel in a convenient moist towelette. Sulacol guts? No ifs, and, or buts. Cistern mold? It stops that ick cold. Just wipe it down with an Erendel Handy Wipe. Don't just stand there with bloated web crawler guts dripping off the tip of your nose. Get some Erendel Handy Wipes today. Someone Lotro is disgusting, but you just want some more. Use Erendel's Handy Wipes to clean up the gore. Conveniently available in Valinor. We have reached the sixth beacon of Min... Uh, Kalanhad. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh... Those of you who ate Endgame and Grinding can skip this part. Because we're going to talk about Allegiance quests, whether you love them or you hate them. So, in general, when I'm doing Allegiance quests, either dailies or weeklies, I try to look for... Two things I try to look for. Regional proximity of the quests how close they are to each other for convenience factor, um, or quest overlap, where I can work on two objectives or more at once. And this has been made easier by the addition of the new daily quests, because a lot of cases there is that overlap um, in killing and or locomoting to the place they want you to. Uh, not to mention, you're simultaneously working on Slayer Deeds and Quest Deeds in most cases, and maybe a chance for Ash if the mobs you're killing are humanoid. So... Um, another factor that might uh, be enticing for you is uh, whenever they have, each region has several quests to um, recapture encampments. I call them, I'll call them camp quests, where you have to retake, um, you know, fly a flag over uh, a banner over an area and move on through four checkpoints until you get to the top of the hill um, where you plant it in the dirt and say, you are now reclaimed for Gondor. Uh, in each case, if you have not done those before, each of those camp quests has a rare mortar chest sitting at the top. And uh, if you have not collected them all yet, those are valuable to get because uh, at best they might give you gear upgrades. And at worst, they'll be free Ashes of Gorgoroth for the items that you'll find inside of them. So those are all worth doing. And uh, if I have the time... I try to include one to two of the instance, uh, the resource instances, as they have their own deeds, um, as well as the weekly allegiance collection quests uh, that are auto-bestowed, um, one per faction. I think it's gems, supplies, relics, or I think the last one is rations, basically. So each week you'll get those automatically bestowed to you if you go into a resource instance and you start picking those things up. And then you can turn them into the chest at the, um, at the local allegiance hall for each of the different factions. Although it won't tell you that, uh, that you have something to turn in. You just have to remember to click on the chest. All right, so let's go through maybe each of the regions and talk about some of my uh, favored and non-favored quests. First of all, in Udun... Two of the easier quests there are to open a bunch of hatches and make sure they're still battened down and go and unlock a bunch of doors and make sure nothing's coming out. And, of course, there is stuff coming out of both of those. Um, they're both pretty close to the entrance area. You can go through um, go through them in a straight line. There's usually other tunes doing it that will help. Uh, the one uh, pain in the neck for this is that uh, there are... There are tunes that go up and click on the door or the hatch and back away so that they don't have to fight the mobs that appear. Don't be that guy, okay? 
<laughs> Although I, I mentioned it to one guy I saw doing it, and he actually had a rationale for it, which I'd never heard before. He's like, he's like, I'm a guard. The next guy that comes will probably be a champ. He'll come in like two seconds. Big deal. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that's a valid point at least. <laughs> um, all right. If you go up to Mornor, which is the kind of um, area behind the forge on the southwest corner of the map, there are three quests that you can do simultaneously. You can pick up weapon barrels, you can kill captains, and uh, you can reclaim the camp. And they can all be done at once. And um, most of there are gates in that as you progress up that area guarded by archers. And most of the archers you can skirt by going off the path uh, to avoid them. Um, or if you come up to a camp, uh, there are a couple different groups um, that are guarding the barrels of weapons and sometimes you can sneak into the side and nab the barrel without aggroing any of the mobs so remember um, sneaking around behind camps and hiding behind tents until you're just within range of something that's on the edge uh, that can be your friend can save you a lot of combat time plus there are lots of people going up that thing doing dailies commonly so it's pretty easy to pick up with other people and just kind of run rampant through there uh, the Eastern Camp quest in Udun is pretty easy, too. Um, Udun area includes Durthang resource instance. Uh, it's a little bit of a pain because it's not very linear, but once you learn the pattern, it's not that bad. And it makes it a bit more interesting to do that as well. And Udun is unique in that there is a second resource instance in it called Anglok. And the reason Anglok is unique is all the other resource instances you can solo or duo. Anglok is actually a public instance. So if you go in there, even if you couldn't find someone to quest with you, if you go in there and wait by the door, um, usually someone will come through it in a couple minutes and you can group up and barnstorm it together. Uh, whether you're fellowed or not, it just makes it easier. Um, so, and uh, each of those, Durthang and Anglok, usually has a couple side, um, side quests that you can do for the daily instances as well. Um, as far as the new dailies, there's two I can remember. One is hanging the shield at Durthang and then go in there and beat 12 green mobs, which is cake. <laughs> it takes literally seconds and running back out. And there's one to feed um, and uh, provide drink and hope for elves, which is along the northern path. And that one's really quick and easy to do as well. So those are favored for me. Uh, moving on to Dor Armoth, I tend to pick, um, there's a quest to do the, the two bosses in Fushum Tom. Uh, one is, I think, like Shatakor the Spear, and another is, I can't remember the guy's, Ugluk, Gluk, I can't remember him name. So there's two bosses, and you don't have to burn any of the mobs, it's just the two bosses. And normally I would not recommend going into Fushum Tom because it's tightly packed with mobs and lots of stuff in the way. But in this particular instance, if you didn't know, you can ride all the way around the back of the encampment and there's a hole in the rock wall behind it. And you can uh, run up there or jump in through your horse and kind of scramble over the rubble in the back of the camp. And there are uh, areas where you can draw the bosses away without having to fight any of the minions to get to them. So basically, you go through the back crack in the wall, you move along the back until you can get each of them in range, use a ranged pulling skill, they'll come over, you fight them, and you don't have to fight anything else, which makes it a lot easier. 
Um, Dor Armarth has three of the camp quests in the region. Uh, they're not too bad either, although each is progressively farther across the map, so I tend to only do the ones that are closer to uh, Runes of Dingarth. The second one is the one that's it's actually kind of fun once you learn the route. You have to go over like six of the lava bridges to get up to where the entrance is, um, uh, which sounds like a pain, but once you learn the pattern, it's really not too bad, and it's kind of fun to be up on top. But that's about the most you can penetrate the mountain is going up those paths. Um, it even looks like there's a side path that might have originally gone over to Samathnar. Of course, it's collapsed now, unfortunately. But it's kind of fun to do that one if you haven't done it before. And there are some singed pages up there as well that you can collect. And uh, I never bother doing the quest to sift the rubble because it's all over the place and there's too many to pick up. Or And I don't bother getting the weapon racks from Fusham Tom and having to go through and fight everything. Blah. That one's uh, way too hard. So skip those. Uh, do them once if you need them for the deed. And then move on. So the daily resource instance for Dora Marth is Baradur. And it's fairly easy, although the, they make you clear all the side rooms for the other quest objectives. So basically you got to kill everything. Um, but, heck, you're in Baradur. So just appreciate the scenery, will you? Uh, moving on to Lingris. Um, there are a couple camps in Lingris. The easiest one is the Morgai one. I don't recommend the other two except if you need them for the deed. One is all the way on the south end of the map, which is kind of a pain to get to. And the other one is uh, kind of on the western edge of the map, but it's filled with grob bag. And I'd say avoid this one if you can for two reasons. First of all, I think it's tougher than the ones with the orcs. Um, if you get a combo of some spitters and one of the big egg layers, I think I think one of them actually reduces your armor because because uh, if you're fighting more than once they hit hard <laughs> and more than once I went up there going oh it's just a camp you know it's just landscape stuff I'll breeze through it and I got my butt kicked so even as a guard you got to be a little bit careful with the god bed camp um, do it with someone else if you can uh, or else uh, don't be afraid to use some food uh, I think they they somehow negate your armor and mitigations through their attacks because uh, you can get hit pretty hard. And the second is uh, the ground bag don't drop any ash items ever. So I know it's a rare chance, but it's a chance to do it with humanoids at least. Um, best daily quest in Lingris, kill one ungle prey. I think the quest actually says kill the food of the spiders. And you go in and you kill one ungle prey mob and you just talk to a guy further down on the map and you're done. Uh, there's a, a quest to kill 20 spiders. And if you just choose all the little groups of three along the path and AOE them down, that one's really easy. You can just skip all the stalkers and, and brood mothers and uh, do the little packs of three uh, everywhere you find them. That one's quick and easy. Uh, the trapping the orcs quest is easy. The Nelgroth spider quest is super easy, at least for me as a guard. You, you can run through everything all the way down to the end of the path, and basically you'll attract the last five spiders, which is exactly how many you need to kill to bring the boss down. Uh, so that one's quick and easy for me, typically, as well. Um, the quests that are down in Kirithungal, I just, slaying and cleaning up, I just don't do those because they're too far. <laughs> uh, too far on the map to run down, it just takes too long. So I stick on the quest on the northern side. And I also avoid the quests that are in the broken cleft. Um, it's a little too grindy. The mobs in there are pretty tough, um, as far as the ore and the husks of orcs that you have to fight. And uh, it just takes too long for my book. So I try to skip those as well, apart from just doing the ones that you need for deeds, the one instance you need for the deed. 
And then there's the uh, the, the orc camp in Lingris, uh, Kalagaj or something like that. Um, pretty easy once you realize you have to kill the two spiders at the far south of the map to open the cave entrance, which is where the orc, the final orc boss is hiding. Um, so that one's not too bad either. Uh, Talith Uri. The camps here are not too difficult, though uh, one of them, so sometimes you got to be careful on the camps. When you go to the final area to plant the flag, sometimes if there are side camps, they'll be linked to them. So even though you're not in aggro range, if you get an aggro range of the central mobs, it'll bring everyone over from the side camps. So be cognizant of that. If you're doing a camp in Talith URI that has side camps, there's one in particular that I know. Um, if unless you can take all the mobs at once, you got to wipe out the side camps one at a time first, and then go for the central one where you plant the dirt, uh, the dirt flag. And uh, I avoid the quest in Nairband, um, the camp that's in Nairband where you have to fight through the entrance just to get to the start of it. Uh, it's too much trouble, and stick with the other ones. I like the Thorzaf quest in Talith URI because I, I like that original landscape quest line uh, initially. It was kind of fun and easy, and all you have to do is ride in and fight three guys um, in the pit and be done. So that was a good one to do. Uh, the new daily delivering kegs to the dwarves is easy. Uh, it's right next to Thorzaf, so you can do those two at the same time. And uh, if you time it right and know where you're going, you don't have to do any fighting. You can swoop in. You can... Uh, click on the thing real quick, get on your horse and run out. Even if you aggro some stuff doing it, you don't have to sit there and fight. You can just take off. Um, I avoid the one that says kill 10 Gashgurum out on the uh, Lake of Fire. It's just too time consuming, too much of a hassle, too much uh, wear and tear on my graphics card <laughs> as the big fire dragons come across all the time. Um, and then... Uh, Killing the six Gashi High at two different shrines. That one's okay. Um, there's a new daily that says rescue six pr prisoners from Nairband. And I haven't even tried to do that one. Too much trouble to go into Nairband uh, when there's easier quests to be had. And the last one I avoid is to do the Matalzer area barricades and stuff. That, that camp is too packed, too big of a pain in the neck. I remember doing that on landscape and it was uh, too hard uh, or too time consuming. So lastly, Agranath. Um, one of my favorite areas is most of them are pretty easy. So first of all, anything that where you got to kill orcs, use the ash forms that are in the little town there, um, including the daily. Um, there's one to kill, you know, either kill 12 plague flies or 8 bog lurkers or 10 orcs. And if you go into the ash farm in Agranath, you can kill 10 orcs in about 30 seconds and be done. Uh, there is one camp to do on the western side of the map, northern of Druin. That one's a breeze. A lot of people do that one because it's so close to the, the stable. And there's one on all the way in the far east uh, for Morval um, and Saragost. And that one's pretty easy too, especially since a couple of the Marival are stuck in the rock and don't attack you because they, they, uh, they get spaced out trying to find you. Um, Picking off the sneaky tree rats that are in the trees is pretty easy unless there's other people doing it at the same time, in which case I'll skip it because I don't want to compete with them. And then behind the Saragos, there's a whole bunch of quests to do that are... Uh, the Sudden Whelmer is a, a bog lurker boss, which is one kill and done. Always get that one if you can. Uh, the Frenzied Norberg and Gamnaker bosses are a, a direwolf and Norbog boss. Um, you have to kill five adds as well as the boss, so it takes a little longer, but they're pretty proximate, so it's easy to do as well. I usually don't go into Saragost and kill the guys in there or the banners in there. I did it once for the quest and moved on. 
Um, although killing the one orc leader in there is pretty easy once you know exactly where he is. And lastly, the resource instance for Agronoth is Balrod. It's uh, easy and quick, but it is dark. It's kind of funny. Like sometimes I lose track of which direction I'm facing because it's the setting's so dark that I can't see which way I'm supposed to be going. But uh, but not too bad. Although the infected orcs are um, defilers are kind of a pain because they don't run up to you if you're uh, not a ranged class. So those are the five different areas, and most of the quests in there that I could spew off the top of my head that I liked or don't like, um, and some tips for some of them. And then uh, there's the weekly quests, quest, which are worth 10,000 allegiance points each, so it's just are generally worth doing. Uh, there's one to do five quests in each zone. Uh, if you've been active that week doing the dailies, uh, that one kind of ticks off itself. Um, otherwise, I'd skip it. Keep an eye on the numbers that you need from each area, though, and since you have two to pick from in each area and choose smartly to make sure you cover all the bases. Uh, the next one is to kill all the scourges, which should actually be more lucrative and popular now, though the last Karog out on the Gershgam is a pain in the butt. And lastly is to run all the resource instances. Again, uh, productive and lucrative over a week if you were going to be active doing them anyway. Uh, so in summary... Um, you know, grind of some kind cannot be avoided in an aging MMO. Developers just can't develop fast enough to satisfy players without it. So if that's the case, having variety is key to avoiding burnout. And now that there are, you know, 60 to 80 different quests and six instances to run through, um, that's not bad from my perspective. Uh, the benefits of the Allegiance locations being in-game is kind of cool. Each of them is kind of fun and different in their own way. At least one of them is iconic, the Hall into the Mountain. You know, we already had um, the Hall of the King, obviously, in Gondor. Uh, the other two are, you know, new settings, so those are kind of neat. And, uh, you know, as a mechanism to tell the additional prologue and appendix stories uh, from Lord of the Rings Tolkien source material is a pretty brilliant way to include some of those facts in the game, actually. Because uh, a lot of those story points, you know, aren't significant enough to support, um, you know, a, a geographic kind of expansion or, you know, a new book of the epic or a book of Mordor. So uh, this allegiance system serves to tell some of those story points that you'd like to see in the game if you're a fan of the lore, uh, which is probably some of my favorite, uh, my favorite part about it. Uh, I'd rate the different stories and say the men's one is probably my favorite because it's the most relevant to the lore, followed by the elves. Dwarves being third, being a little cobbled together, although I really like the mention of Gimli uh, colonizing the um, the glittering caves in, uh, in Helm's Deep. And the hobbits one is just kind of a placeholder for me. It's kind of like we're going to get to the stuff that happens in the Shire, so let's hint at it a bunch and... Uh, you know, send the hobbits into Mordor for, for a little bit to talk about that and build the expectation for it. So a little bit of a placeholder there, although obviously hobbit personalities make it more fun. Uh, the elf story, by the way, without saying spoilers, I believe further supports my prophecy that I gave in my last episode that there are Balrogs buried under Aroduin being the source of its fire and its power. So um, I think... There might be, you know, we've got a, a, a first air, second age door hidden under Nargoth, right? That's that's guarded by, you know, a giant elite um, Rogmul. And we've got Glorfindel um, recalling the glory of the 
um, Rift of Gers Nashu and talking about how difficult Balrogs are to kill for permanent. And uh, we have some mysteries going on in Mordor that could result in that my prophecy coming true. I'm just saying it's still out there. And I love to say I told you so. You guys know me. And uh, lastly, the Elf and Hobbit stories take you to the edge of major events that could either be released as further alliance quests, potentially, or as content in and of itself. You know, I could see going back for the Scouring of the Shire being kind of a regional expansion, uh, you know, a minor regional expansion like Wildemore or Great River. Um, or some of these stories could potentially be told in a skirm or instance. Uh, you know, the destruction of Gold, Dol Guldur by Galadriel, which is forecast in the lore of the book. Um, they led up to it, but they didn't show it. So could that be a, a new Alliance quest that's coming out? Uh, you know, will Alliance questing continue where with each content release, they add maybe another five levels on there with a new quest to bonus and continue to tell the stories of the different factions. Uh, I actually hope they do that. I think that would be a neat way to continue to tell some of those stories that aren't big enough to merit their own content release. And looking at the old clock on the wall, running up on one of the longer podcasts I've had in quite some time, I think it's time for Holofirian. Sorry, we ran out of time to end early. Hopefully next time. But it's time for the blessed relief. I'm officially putting a little violet-colored bow on the 73rd episode of Light the Beacons. If I keep at it this pace, I may get to 75 before the end of the year. That is my goal. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at braggsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for auger. Facebook or Twitter at braggsonofbalan. Or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review if perchance you're so inclined, like Fielder did. I very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven, I will try to include them in the podcast or at least respond in some way. I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. We are privileged to be there. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time that a podcast with 300-plus episodes and lots of great memories goes off the air after 10 years, don't despair. Just thank the host for being a big part of the inspiration to start this podcast and light the beacons. Let's go back to a time of a point of Scrooge. It sure is a beautiful day out here in the Shire. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, not bad for fall with all the fall festivals going on and so forth. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, what's that noise coming over there from yonder bush over there? I don't know, but I think we should throw some rocks at it. Hiya! 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 Take that, weird, stocky big person, right in the base of the skull. Bullseye! Habits sure are good at throwing rocks, eh? I reckon we taught him a lesson he won't forget any time soon. Nope, none of us will forget it. Anytime soon. Yep.
Yep. Yep.